This podcast is brought to you by The Learning Connection, School of Creativity and Art, tlc.ac.nz. Kia ora. Welcome everybody. The artists, guest speakers continue. We've had a number of them, and most of them happen to be graduates of TLC. Yep. Today we've got... <laughs> Rox Flame. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yeah. I met uh, Rox back in 2005. He came into my Gateway to Creativity class. Yep. And um, I, I still remember his collages to today. This awesome creative approach to just making marks and shapes and colours. And I was like, whoa, this guy's got something special. And how old were you at the time, Rox? Oh, that, that's about 10 years ago. So it would have been 20. Awesome. Yeah. What, attracted, what attracted you to the Learning Connection in the first place? How did you, you hear um, about it? Actually, that's an interesting one. I had a sort of strange series of events that led me to the Learning Connection. Um, I, would, I did art at high school, and then I moved to Wellington, and my mother had suggested that I go to the Learning Connection, and she had sent me some extramural application details. And I was like, oh, I'll think about what I want to do. And then moved into a flat, and almost everyone there was studying there. And I could see the school <laughs> from my bedroom window. This is when it was in Island Bay, um, back at Erskine College. And I just kind of noticed that it was slowly taking over my surroundings. And I ended up applying for the, a scholarship to get my first year funded. Um, and just wrote the story of what was going on and submitted some art. And I managed to get that, which was really cool. And I was like, well, that seals the deal. I'm going. Like, I kind of have to now. Excellent. <laughs> and did you start in certificate or did you start in diploma? Um, I started with the foundation, actually, yeah. right Great. from the start. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> foundation was actually really good. I, lo I loved that sort of in initial six months of, like, getting familiar with the place and how it all worked. For you uh, new school people, in the old school days it used to be called Certificate, uh, Foundation. So near it's called Certificate, so change of language. Mm. And uh, were you a full-time or part-time student, Rox? I was a full-time student. Excellent. Yeah. And what was the experience like? I was really, really good. Like that particular school, it felt kind of like going to Hogwarts. Um, <laughs> and I've just sort of since then, over the last 10 years, in a lot of ways, sort of tried to recapture in my own life some of the magic that I experienced while there, which was awesome. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And were you gravitated to certain um, areas or courses? To, like, was it drawing or painting or was it um, other things? I did a bit of video and painting mm -hmm. and then I dabbled in some computer stuff and some drawing as well. Mm. Um, the computer stuff really took my interest mm. pretty quickly after that. Great. Was yeah. it something you had dabbled with before? Have you had you grown up as a bit of a... Yeah, was kid or was from, from age 11, I started designing my own computer games um, because I had this really old computer and I couldn't run any of the games that I wanted to play. And I found out that you can make your own games if you're clever enough. <laughs> and I made all these really silly little games that didn't really do much, but they were fun. <laughs> it's interesting, eh, when we go right back to childhood and see what our interests were back then, whether it be any area of your creativity and how sometimes this reoccurs yeah, continues yeah. or cycles. Yeah, it's something that's, that I've come back to a few times is the, the game development stuff. Because mm. um, I've been, over the last five years, through developing the company that I'm currently running, we've been slowly trying to angle it from mostly web development stuff and other multimedia more into more interactive game development and anything people can kind of get more involved in. Yeah. Fantastic. So hopefully, we'll be a games development company in the next few years. Excellent. What's it currently known as now, Rocks? So, 
basically we're a web development company called X Equals. Mm. Um, I formed the company with an equal of mine uh, by the name of Alex. And yeah, he kind of came into my life and threw me in the deep end into a whole lot of opportunities that I didn't really expect. Um, he was like, hey, I've got these website contracts and I don't know how to build websites. Can you help me out? <laughs> and I'm like, I sort of know how to build websites, maybe. Excellent. I decided to agree to do it. We built the sites, started building a client base slowly after that, kind of out of nowhere. Um, people telling people and then people started wondering why we didn't have a website. So we, <laughs> <laughs> we very quickly created a brand and uh, then for, formed a company a year later Fantastic. and just ran with it. Um, but yeah, ran, he just kept presenting these strange opportunities that I could have said no to. Like, he said to me one day while we were hanging out in the office, he's like, I've just got back, he just got back from holiday with his parents over in the Middle East in the Kingdom of Bahrain. And he was like, I've been talking to the IT department over there and just wondering if you want to fly over to the Middle East and um, help the students make some websites. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you serious? I've never even left the country. This is ridiculous. Um, and then I sort of mulled it over overnight. I was like, I have to do it. Yeah. So that was really fun. We ended up building a website for the Bahrain Polytechnic with the students there, taking them through this sort of little industry experience course as X equals. And that turned out really well and got me a few other interesting opportunities in the region as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you've probably seen one of the pictures going past here of a taxi with some artwork on the side of it. So that's a taxi in the Kingdom of Bahrain in the Middle East. And I got approached by an art curator who I met over there when we got back. She was like, I really liked the art stuff you were doing. Um, I want to put some of it as the branding for this festival and on the side of taxis and billboards and stuff. And I was just like, uh. <laughs> like, okay, why not? We'll, we'll run on that. <laughs> Take the opportunities. I was yeah. talking to you this morning about that. You know, sometimes it, these are, there are those opportunities that arise and it's up to you. You've got that decision. Do I or I'm, don't I? I'm generally a yes, I'll do it. And most of the time I won't know how I'm going to achieve it. Um, but I've kind of, through saying yes to enough random opportunities that have come up, I've built the willpower to push through to make it happen mm. at all costs, mm. burn the candle at both ends, so to say, Great. get the thing happening, and then sleep afterwards. <laughs> yeah. So you finished your Diploma of Art and Creativity? Yep. What then for rocks? So after that, I jumped straight into a Diploma in 3D Animation at NatCo, um, just because I got really interested in the digital side of things while I was here, and how that could tie into art. I thought 3D animation was another nice way I could branch out into that. And while I was studying there, I was convinced that I was going to go and work for Weta. And I finished my studies there and went, I don't want to work for Weta. Because <laughs> I'd learned enough about 3D animation to realize that the work would be really difficult mm. and that I would be less in control of what I wanted to do than I could be. Mm. And so I ended up just working your average nine to five job for about four years at Vodafone before the sort of other business opportunities arose, mm. yeah. And during that time of that four years, was, was there other elements of your creativity being stimulated whilst you're working nine to five? Yeah, so I continued doing little bits of uh, game development stuff on the side and kept hacking away at doing music projects and just tried to keep myself engaged in things. Mm. And I was freelancing on the side as a designer. 
massively underselling myself because I had no idea how to market myself at all at that point. And then, yeah, it wasn't until I met someone who was good at selling things that, <laughs> that that side kind of worked. So uh, that's how our business sort of functions. He does all the, finds all the opportunities and markets our stuff, mm. and then I make solutions happen. Great. So he brings us problems, I solve them. It's good. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah. And do you just do the solutions yourself or are there other people involved in this collaboration? So the first few years it was just the two of us mm. and that involved not having much money or sleep um, <laughs> for the first few years, just struggling through the business. Um, but we felt like it was worth it because each year the dips kind of got less dangerous and the, the peaks got a bit more rewarding and we were like, okay. This could be a thing. If we just keep hacking away at it, it'll get somewhere eventually. And now we've got sort of a, maybe 10 different contractors that we work with. Mm. We've got, there's a couple of pictures of, this is a, a current office. Mm. That was it filled with a bunch of stuff. But on, an, on your average day, there's about seven or eight people in there now. Fantastic. Working on various website projects, which is really cool. Excellent. That's so exciting. Mm. I think there's a, um, an image that came up just a wee back. It's probably going to scroll through. Mm. But there was a desk and a computer screen. Ah, yeah. Okay, so... Even when that comes back around, you could pause it and just give us a little bit of insight to how it all began. That'd be excellent. Does the space bar pause this thing? Yeah, Hopefully. yeah, it does. We'll, we'll pause that when it comes up. <laughs> um, yeah, so when I first started, uh, I was still working at Vodafone. I had started doing this website stuff with my business partner. Okay, this is getting... Nice, well any one of these, eh? office, yeah. So if I, I might just flick through. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Because I can. Da, 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 da. Okay, so this is my business partner, Alex. And this is our very first office. <laughs> um, a little MDF table in a tiny room in town as pa in part of an art studio space called Creative Spaces. And... We were paying next to nothing for this and often not actually being able to make rent either, but still managed to stay in there, luckily. And we had, yeah, like a couple of laptops and that was it. We were just popping in there and doing the work. And we sort of outgrew that place and ended up upgrading to da 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 da. Not this one yet, but. Totally not even in this one. So this was a slightly larger room filled with stuff. Um, enough room for a couple of chairs and one other computer, barely, and a couch. Mm. So this was also at Creative Spaces. Um, we're still in that building. We haven't left. We've kind of fallen in love with the place because you end up with all these different sort of startup creative companies popping in there and doing different things for a while. Some of them come, some of them go. There's been some really cool collaborations that have come out of that as well. Mm. No, so this is um, Creative Spaces, which is on Dixon Street. Okay. It's above the Mexico restaurant across from Memphis Bell. And there's like a tattoo studio above us, and there's a gallery opening up in the floor below us. Mm. So it's a really cool space. There's really cool things going on. Okay. Yeah. And it's interesting because a few artists I've had in before Rocks, we talked to them about studio spaces and how vital it is to have a place where you can go and you know it's that place to create. Yeah. This is the largest room in the building and we managed to claim that eventually. Wow. <laughs> but this kind of <laughs> end up sort of scaling up. Yeah. 
Like as as the company uh, grew the room, we would upgrade the room basically. Mm, great. And there were about probably four of us when we got this this space. We could only fit three in the previous office, so mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's time to upgrade. Yeah. But this one's been good. We've kind of these days filled this one to capacity. So there's another table now in this empty space that we use quite a lot. Still the same sofa, and we still have that sofa. <laughs> but it's really comfortable, so <laughs> you can't get rid of it. Uh, you have certain memories that sort of exist from the, the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And pretty much everything that was in the other office is stored in one of the cupboards in there as well. <laughs> still there. <laughs> it's a real classy looking space too. You know, mm. The way we see it and appear it in there, just the, the furnishings and the tone and the palette. Yeah, so all of this woodworking we got done custom for us um, at the fabrications lab. Yeah, this is like little detailing with our logo on it and mm. stuff like that. We decided to make all of the desk space one flowing curve right around the room. Great. Just one curve. Yeah, yeah. Just felt nice. Yeah. Does it's it unify the working environment? It does. And people walk in, they kind of see it all tied together and they're like, yeah. oh, you guys are actually a thing. This is a real space. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of ties the whole thing together. Because a lot of offices you go into and it's just like, here are the desks we could find and the stuff, and mm. then they just build up computer gear everywhere, and mm. it's less of a design kind of feel. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, we like our space to be very welcoming to people. Mm. So we have a lot of clients come up and have lunch with us and just chill out, have beers after work, and mm. we like to build the, the relationships with our clients almost like friendships. Because sure. if you keep those client relationships going for a long time, mm. you get a lot of repeat business. Sure. And you can help grow their business and they help grow your business. Mm. And it's a really, really good sort of symbiotic thing mm. that goes on. Well said. We've yeah. had a number of guest speakers who have talked about that. that they were like chasing the work initially. Yeah. Dan Mills is a, a local muralist and he was you know, putting all his applications out there trying to, yeah. Yeah. trying to get as much work as he could. And then after a few years, yeah, the work's coming to him. And he said That's he doesn't right. even have to try and get work anymore. He's actually got too much. Yeah, so, you know, it's for us, a similar situation. For us, it's very similar now. So it's a matter of us finding the right talent mm -hmm. and basically sort of matching people to the right contracts that have, we've got coming in and Correct. making sure it's all ticking over well and managing our own sleep and stress. <laughs> it's become a big thing. Well, how do you manage that? Well, a, a big part of artist? it was learning how to let go. Mm. Um, I spent a lot of because we spent the first few years building the business ourselves and no one else was really coming in for a long time, we got very sort of entrenched in how everything worked and then other people coming in, trying to impart three years of how we do things to someone and be able to let go and let them do a thing without freaking out was pretty tough. Yeah, for sure. um, and it wasn't until pressure built up too much for me to actually handle it that I started learning to let go of things. Mm. I'm like, I legitimately can't do this because I won't sleep, so <laughs> please, you do this. <laughs> and then it wasn't until start, I started getting things back from the right people and people who were specialists in areas that I, give, I was giving things to that the quality was actually better than I could create and I was just realised that actually if I could pick specialists in different areas and give them mm. the pieces mm. and then just manage the project in a more meta kind of way and put, it all, put all the pieces together, mm. you end up with a better result people working together right. is a very powerful thing. I can, yeah. ima I can imagine it's extremely satisfying to step back from the working environment and see people working for you, or with yeah. you, not even for you, but with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We've got this like really nice environment in the office now. We're like, kind of the crew of contractors we've got, we've all developed friendships and we're all just 
all hanging out and everything that comes our way, it's just another, another challenge to mm. jump at. Excellent. Yeah. And I had the privilege last night to go along to a, a show that yes. you were involved in. Could you tell us a bit about that and maybe share some images that um, might be associated? Yeah, so there's quite a few images in here that are associated. Mm. Um, this here is part of what I was, we were doing. So I got a friend posted on Facebook a couple of months ago that they wanted to do an exhibition. And I was like, oh, it's been a while. I've kind of uh, been doing, doing all this business development and I've got lost in the, the business side of things. And mm. I really wanted to get back and just create some raw stuff that didn't really have a client to have to adhere anything to. Mm. And she, was ba she basically said, hey, who wants to join in on a group exhibition? Um, I foolishly said yes, um, although doesn't seem so foolish anymore, which is good. Um, and then we came up with a, a concept, which was fungi. Um, and then I was like, I've got all this. I'd, I'd done a website for the Massey Fabrications Lab. And because the budget for the, the fab lab there was quite small, we, part of the exchange was that at X equals, we could use their machines. So I could go in there and use the laser cutter and the 3D printers and whatnot. So I thought I'd design a project around bringing my digital stuff that I'd learned doing 3D animation using their machinery into the physical space. And this was my very first test. So I got a 3D model that I made on my computer with the software that I learned at, uh, at NatCol. And then found another piece of software called Pepecura, which is for doing paper craft. And it'll take a 3D model and it'll unfold it into a mesh that you can print out. And then you can like cut out the, the model, it's got tabs and everything on it, and then you can build it. So this was the first test print out of my home printer. And I was like, okay, this works. I can, I can make something happen with this. And so I, I thought, okay, I want to make a whole lot of these. How do I make this more automated? So I got my business hat on and started thinking. I was like, I'm sure I can find a way to laser cut these. In fact, I'm sure I can find a way to laser cut the shapes and even laser score all the folds. I was like, there's got to be a way to do this. So I mulled it over for a while. I managed to export the files that Pepecura creates into Illustrator. And then you color the different, you color the cut lines in one color, and then you color the, the fold lines in a different color. Mm. And the laser cutter can recognize different colors as laser intensities. Mm. So you take it in, pop it in the machine, set like super low intensity for the, the scores. I've got some images in here of... That's fantastic. You learned to sort of be at one with the machine. Yeah, machine so this is, this is a cut that came out of the laser cutter of a whole lot of mushrooms, basically. <laughs> and you can see the score lines and the, the cut lines. I've just taped them all in there before I've mm -hmm. taken it off the cutting bed. It was a, a really fun process. Had a whole bunch of failed ones that came out mm. um, before I got to this point. So you l I learned pretty quickly the value of doing tests um, to make all this work. So I spent the first couple of days in there playing with the machine, just figuring out laser depths that would work and how to treat the, the card and what thicknesses would fold properly. And there were a few different things that I had to go through. I learned very quickly that the direction you place the card makes changes the quality massively. Um, you put it up the wrong way and as soon, even though the cardboard might be completely flat, if it was previously rolled up. so if you put it up one direction, as soon as the smaller shapes get cut out, they start curling. Mm. They'll either curl downward or upward. Mm. 
and if they curl upward, it'll catch on the laser arm thing, and then just cut random cuts everywhere. <laughs> so I ended up with a few pretty chaotic cuts that didn't really work. There's also, a lot of people yeah. in this room can probably identify with that testing stage. Mm. You know, we really embrace creative process and the idea of testing and checking out what works. Sometimes Absolutely. You, know, you spend 20 hours and it just blows up. Yeah. But then you learn something from the blowing up stage and then you incorporate it in the next stage. Totally. And you have to roll with any changes in plan or any mistakes. Mm. So I, I originally had planned to also do a bunch of 3D printing for the project. That didn't happen. I didn't have time. Mm. So I just laser cut more stuff. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just do more of the thing that's working mm. and just run with that. Yep. So sort of rolling with the punches, as it were, is very important. Great. And how did it evolve from here, Rox? So I... Here's a, a net that I have had been folding up, one of the more complicated ones. Um, I ended up, here's a whole bunch of them. And then if I flick through, so these are the 3D models that I base some of these on. Mm, so but here's, here's the stuff that I put on show last night. Um, this is all part of the, the larger group exhibition, which is on show at Matchbox on Cuba Street. Well, we're checking out too because of the diversity. I was telling you last night yeah, and this yeah. morning how how cool it was to have your work along someone who had hand painted and hand drawn and Absolutely. used Sculpey alongside, and that contrast of having a group show. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, so excellent. So well, we're checking out. Yeah, there's a, a bunch of us got together, put together this really cool show. Mm. There's it's kind kind of amazing how well it all came together given the short time frame we had, mm. and we managed to fill the space with a lot of work, mm. which is really good. And that binding force of having that theme, as soon as you have that theme, everyone works towards it. When it's on the walls, it has cohesion, so yeah, I thought that yeah. worked really well as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I also put together a, a small digital piece that I showed there, which I might as well bring up. Um, if I quit this. What's it like as an artist when you're busy behind the scenes making your work? And then you suddenly see it up on the walls and other people are looking at it and chattering. Oh, it's, it's a strange experience, especially when you haven't had much sleep, <laughs> which was definitely the way. Mm. Um, this here is an, a, a piece that's currently running right now. It's never done this particularly before. It's not a video. Mm. Um, so I decided, well, basically this is art that I'd been putting together for a game mm. a long time ago, back when I was still at the Learning Connection. Mm. And when this exhibition came around, I was like, you know what, this fits the theme really well. So I ended up projecting this in the gallery as well, mm. just putting it on autopilot. So this is stuff from an abandoned game project. <laughs> Do you look at this and think, oh, is there anything that reminds you a bit of what was happening at Eleven? Can you see little bits of, of some of those early concepts come through? Um, I think. When I was 11, it was all very—it was actually a bit different. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this still this more just reminds me of 10 years ago being at the Learning Connection, really, because mm. that's when I was working on this stuff. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. And also painting and drawing, and more traditional media has also featured in the last decade. Do you yeah. mind sh sharing some of those via the website? Sure, sure. Yeah. So one thing I've done. Uh, over the last couple of years as I've realized that my business has been slowly taking over my life um, is I've created a few habits of forcing myself to stay creatively engaged in different ways 
and one of them has been maintaining a website for myself. Um, and basically, things like this have come out of a habit that I picked up, which is, well, apart from coffee, which is also a habit I've picked up. Um, one of the habits I picked up was taking a sketchbook everywhere, because I realized that amongst the day-to-day -day madness of trying to get websites built for people, the only way for me to keep engaged in my artwork was to just have the tools with me all the time, so that if a, a, a moment would come up, I could draw or paint or do whatever with that. So this is just watercolor pencils. Mm. I can just carry that around, dip it in the drinking water there, and <laughs> you know, work <laughs> with, what, with what's around you. Yeah, great. And um, yeah, quite a lot of work came out of that. Mm. Um, I've got multiple sketchbooks filled with pictures of coffee, beer, um, random objects that are on the tables in front of me, just because that's a way to keep, keep things happening. Yeah, yeah. Sure, very much so. It wasn't like when you look back at those sketchbooks like five years later or a few years later. It's quite interesting because like each book you can sort of feel the processes you were going through in your life and how organised or disorganised things were, the things that were going on, even the people who were around you. Mm. It's like there'll be, you know, the occasional portrait in there and there'll be just moments from different things. Like I used to take my sketchbook to parties because I was super introverted for a long time. And so I'd just sit in the corner, barely talk to anyone, and just draw pictures of people. Um, it's really interesting to see that art and creativity <laughs> transformational effect. Yeah. I was talking to one of our staff members, uh, her name's Holly Thomas, and I think she was in program support um, back then. I said, oh yeah, Rox Flame's going to come in and uh, talk. And she goes, really? Oh, he was a, sh a shy wee man oh, back yeah. at TLC. And, and then, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, not anymore. And I sort of, you know, showed her a photo, and here's you going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of the decisions I made while I was at the Learning Connection, I decided that I was going to become more extroverted. Um, and I forced myself to get into awkward social situations um, <laughs> and just be there. And <laughs> basically break myself out of my shell very intentionally yeah. over the last sort of 10 years. It's been really, really good. And Coming saying yes to crazy opportunities that will make me break myself out of my shell further has been part of that. Yeah. So when my business partner first came along, before we did any projects together, the first thing he said to me, he was like, Rox, do you want to come to Auckland and help me present this, uh, this thing for my charitable trust that I've got going? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, at the time, I'd never done any public speaking at all, and I was super scared. But I agreed to do it anyway, went up there and made a bunch of slides and presented this thing. And I was just like, okay, that was cool. It was really nerve-wracking, but it was cool. <laughs> Oh, that's and great. same with like the thing in the Middle East and starting the company and any opportunities that come up these days, if it involves that, you know, one of the sub goals of being more engaged with people, mm. then I'll generally agree to it. That's Hence, great. one of the reasons why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Any more of these images just to go through? That'd be fantastic. Let's keep on sparking. Yeah. So some of the stuff I did while at the Learning Connection, some of that, it, some of it's done since. Mm. Was it just solely for you, Rox, or was it shared? Did you exhibit it? For a long time, this was all just for me. Mm. Um, in my, this here I did during the foundation course, actually, this one. I was quite happy with this one. <laughs> it's done with pellet knives. That was fun. Yeah. Reminds me of that sort of scafito technique that you do, so it's so interesting when you can go back and go, ah. Yeah, yeah. Some of these have crossovers into digital stuff too, so this one's a, a good example. Some of that pixel art from that simulation I was showing you is in here. Sure. 
this strange little globe. Mm. I did a bunch of digital work. Um, this was done while I was at NatCal. Mm. And then crossovers, so 3D work with my traditional artwork built in for textures. Mm. Just to try and bridge those gaps. I've really always been really interested in where the digital world and the physical world kind of collide. Mm. And that's a lot of how, well, in part how the current exhibition that we've got going worked for me. It was like, how do I bring this stuff in the 3D space into the physical space? And kind of going through that process, a lot of the work kind of also almost looks computer generated, mm. which is kind of cool. Some stencil work, I did this one at the Learning Connection as well, during a stencil class. Mm. That was fun. It's very exciting you've got that place that people can see the work too, and for yourself, clients. Yeah, yeah. Was it New Zealand Art Show too? Were you involved in that in the early days? Yep, so I, I put things in the New Zealand Art Show um, a few years in a row. Mm. Each year I put things in the show, I sold something, so it was, it's definitely worth doing. Mm. Um, I actually quite interested in re-engaging with the New Zealand Art Show because mm. it's a really good way to get your stuff out there in front of a whole lot of art buyers. Mm. Like that sort of opportunity doesn't come up very often. Mm. And as far as outlets for selling things, it's been the most successful. Mm. Um, just doing that show every now and again. Yeah. yeah. Well, the coverage is huge, you know, tens oh, of thousands of people. Absolutely. And right. a lot of people go there to buy stuff, so, yeah. And sometimes you can you see people and they might show their art to 10 people and go, oh, no one bought it. But, you know, opening up that market to as many people is yeah. very helpful. Like, interterm student exhibitions here are great, like they were back in Island Bay and Erskine. Yeah, I sold some works during those as well. They were great. Good yeah. stepping stones, but just to keep on evolving those stepping stones. Absolutely. Mm. Do you have any of your collages, rocks? Maybe yep. some of those... Uh, Earlier works. There's There'll one on the poster that was advertising this talk, but I used to find those fantastic. I had a lot of fun with collage work, mm. just mashing things together. Mm. <laughs> Very vibrant, colourful stuff. Mm. They usually tend to get involved in. This one you would have seen on the poster. Yeah. This one here was my thoughts on the political climate at the time. Mm. <laughs> George Bush. So you, you said before some of those sketches, it was about just observing what was in front of you. Mm. What are some of your inspiration, inspirations or muses when it comes to some of these other works? You just said sometimes political? Yeah, so sometimes political. Um, it really depends on the things going on in my life at the time. Mm. And a lot of the collage work that I did was through a thing called the Baker's Dozen. I think it's still being done. It was a collage artist. I can't remember. It was a while ago that Up I... in the Taranaki, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Copeland, Copeland, that's right. right, yeah. So I did a couple of the collage exchanges and they were really fun. Mm. And you basically create 13 collages and you, you send them off and then you get a bunch of collages back in the mail from other people. Just like this exchange. And you can put one of the collages up for sale and they get exhibited. And then another of the collages, and at least w when I was doing it, um, would go into a collection somewhere. So you end up getting 11 back, and they're all of, yeah, from different people, different backgrounds. It's quite cool to see what you get, and most, a lot of them have people's contact details on the back, so you can get in touch with the artists and mm. see what they're up to. And Fantastic. Yeah, it's quite a cool little way of connecting with other artists. It's real interesting how you said you put yourself in awkward social um, positions or occasions, and then how that's benefited you now in terms of you know, your mm. social skills and 
talking to clients and so on. So that, that's really interesting to hear. Yeah, my business partner's still better at talking to clients than I am, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> that's and all good. Future for Rocks Flame? What's next? That's a really good question. Um, I've got one of my games has almost been finished to a point of being able to be released very soon and chucked on the App Store for iOS. Um, I'm working with a couple of other people to help push that project through. Great. So I realised I was taking on too much. Um, and now that I've, over the last five years, learned some project management skills, I'm like, ah, I can outsource the music for this to that person, and mm. I can outsource you know, some of the dialogue to this content writer we have, and mm. just stuff that I could do myself, but it would just take me way too long. Mm, sure. Yeah. It's a good sc skill you've developed. <laughs> yeah, being able to let go of things that I otherwise thought I had to do everything on, yeah. and just yeah. being able to... Well, yeah, absolutely. And being able to, I think I had a lot of trouble with trusting other people's input on my projects for a long time. And being able to realise that a project doesn't have to just be your own thing mm. um, has been quite a, a strange but good process. Mm. And sort of part of that opening up as well. It sounds like collaboration is a huge part of where you're going anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And it's power in numbers, you know. <laughs> yeah. Any final uh, words of wisdom or thoughts for... For peeps? Yeah, I mean, big part of it is if opportunities come up and you are on that edge of, could I do that, just say yes. <laughs> because you'll fill the skill gaps in by saying yes. Mm. Like, necessity creates growth very quickly. And if you throw yourself outside of your comfort zone, like, maybe not too far, but depends how comfortable you are. Um, but yeah, throw yourself outside of your comfort zone and you'll generally grow to fill that space pretty quickly. Um, it's just a matter of trusting that you can. Mm. And it's so easy to just say, oh, I can't do that. Mm. Whereas the reality is you can learn to do that. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, well said. Thanks heaps for coming out, eh? It's and, all good. Uh, rocks will be around for a bit longer if you want to come and ask him some questions. Yep. But thanks very much for coming along and hearing what he's got to say. <laughs> This podcast was brought to you by The Learning Connection, School of Creativity and Art, tlc.ac.nz.